Tazzy footy tales will never not respect anyone who listens. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy the episode. Alright, good day guys and welcome back to another episode of the Tazzy Footy Tales podcast. Uh, sitting alongside me here I've got... My good friend and teammate Josh McGuinness. How are you today, mate? Good, mate. Super stoked to be here again. We've got a massive guest lined up this week. We so do. I'm super excited for the next however long. <laughs> well, as you say, we've got a massive guest this week. He played 147 AFL games, 127 of them for Melbourne. He won the Melbourne Best and Fairest in 1978 and was the vice captain. Gary Bull Baker, how are you, mate? Ah, uh, Josh, you mate. Great to great to see you, mate. And I've uh, I've um, heard a lot about you. I know your old man. I've known him a long time. And um, since you were able to play footy, mate, I've kept a great eye on you. And uh, you're doing pretty well, mate. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah, you're doing pretty well. Mate, it's, um, it's obviously great for you to catch up with us. It's a tough time for a lot of people at the moment. How you sort of been handling the coronavirus sort of outbreak and how has that affected yourself? Well, Macca, I've um, you know I've worked a long. I'm, I'm 67 years of age now, and I've uh, I left school the day I turned 15, so I've worked basically every day since then. So, you know, you you look a pretty astute sort of a bloke. You can tell me how many years that. I'd say it's about 52. <laughs> and, about right, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's pretty good to have a spell, mate. Actually, but um, it's not good for for our industry and a lot of industries, but. Uh, uh, the reason I've worked so hard in my time, and certainly since I've been here in Tassie, um, it's going to affect me, but uh, I'll get through it, mate. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good at the moment. Training seven days a week in, uh, in what uh, Nat's um, old man's, uh, you know, made a name for himself in the gym. So that's <laughs> at 64 years of age, uh, Nat, I've finally uh, got back into training. You're doing a good job, yeah. mate. That's good to hear. So, Bull, just quickly, just for those that don't know, you, um, you're the owner of Rockwall, Barring Grill and St Albies. That's it, mate, yep. So, when you talk about having a bit of a spell, that's why you're having a bit of time off at the moment? Yeah, well, the restaurant industry is uh, probably one of the, along with gyms, has uh, been hit pretty hard yep. with, um, um, you know, not allowing people into it. Uh, we've, uh, I've, I've had a bit of a bonus uh, the last couple of days because... What we do, they're allowing 10 into my restaurant as from next week, which is fantastic. Uh, and then in about six months' time, they're going to double it to 20. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm just going to make a fortune the next six or eight months. But uh, <laughs> Things are looking up. Oh, things are looking up, mate. But anyway, we, we, you know, hopefully uh, what's happening now is, uh, and we will talk about this uh, just for a few moments and then get on to what we love, mate, which is footy. That's and, um, yeah, we're, we're all handling it okay. I just feel for the staff a little bit because uh, maybe the next six or eight months we won't be able to employ as many people and uh, and that's where it's a little bit sad because I'm at the other end of my uh, working career and mm-hmm. hopefully I've got enough um, you know money in the bank or whatever you want to call it to sort of see me through but uh, I feel for these young kids because we don't know when it's going to end. Yeah that's the thing isn't it? Oh well we'll get into the footy side of things mate. We'll start from the start. You grew up in uh, country Victoria, Menion, is it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, can you say it? Menion? Menion Dunbar? Menion Dunbar United, mate. One of the most famous football teams in uh, South Gippsland, if not the famous. Yeah. <laughs> say it again, Nat. 
Me and you and Dumbork United. Well done. South Kick <laughs> <Third. laughs> Just well down from Langatha. It is, it's just out of Langatha. Now, what happened with, uh, I grew up in Langatha. I uh, love me footy. Um, my first two years I played Langatha under 14s. Uh, played in back-to-back flags. My first two years of uh, serious football with two premierships. Uh, and then obviously I was too old for under 14s, went into under 16s, couldn't get a game with Lean Gather under 16s, played two games for the whole year. And at the end of the year, I started a bit of a trend that sort of never used to happen too much is I changed clubs, you know. <laughs> As a 15, 16 year old, I changed clubs. I couldn't get a game with Lean Gather. So I went out to this club in a more minor competition, which is only 10 mile out the road, as we used to refer to it as miles in those days, not kilometres. Mm-hmm. Uh, went out to a club called Meaning Dumbork United, played uh, one year in the under-16s. We got beat in the, in the grand final. The following year, I played every uh, game in the seniors. And the following year, I was playing VFL, which is AFL now football. So uh, all I needed was a game of footy to show how good I was, um, yeah. which gets me back to what happens now is... A lot of kids at 16 get told they're not good enough. Yeah. And what happens is their father and their mates say, you haven't made the Tassie under 16 side or the under 18 side, you might as well give up football. But back in those days, we just played until we wanted to play. And from 16, 17, that's the time you come good at Mm. that age group. And I just wonder how many kids today miss out on going ahead and being terrific footballers. And the other thing is, if you didn't make AFL or VFL back in those days, you played with your club till you were 35. Yeah. And it doesn't happen anymore. Mm. Kids are told at 15, 16, 17, they haven't made the squad to get a Tassie bag and a Tassie tracksuit. So they give the game up, Mm. which is really disappointing because you lose that kid not only to see how good he may have been, but you lose him from that club right through to the end of the day. Now, I'll give you an example that a mate of mine, Snake, and I were in the same boat. Lee and Gutha, we played. We couldn't get a game the under-16s. We went out to Meanian Dumbook United. We both played in their under-16 grand final. I went along and played the next year in the seniors. He played the year in the seconds. The next year I went to the VFL. In those days it was all zoning, so I was recruited to Footscray where I played three years of Footscray and then I went along and played at Melbourne. He played at that club. He broke the club record. He played 380 games with Minion Dumbbell United. 350 were in the seconds. Right? Yeah, right. But he just loved that club. He loved footy. He loved footy. And he ended up being treasurer. He ended up being secretary. He ended up being president of that football club. Mm. And he is still today, at the same age as me, at 67 years of age, a major supporter of that football club. Yeah. And that's what it used to be like back in those days. Mm, Whereas now at 16, you're told you're not good enough, so you go and do something else and you're lost for football. And that's why we're struggling for numbers in football, not only here in Tassie, but all around Australia. Mm. That's it, isn't it? Yep. Mm. I think that's a good point you made, Paul, about the sort of late developers, um, 16, 17, especially a big fella like yourself, what are you, 6'4", 6'5". Yep. They don't normally develop till a little bit later as well. So if you're getting told at 15 or 16 that you're not good enough, that's a massive talent that could be wasted in well, the game. Well, you know, and that's just exactly what I just went through, Macca, and, um, you know, how many kids now, like, well, you know, Podsy Adley is a 
absolute um, uh, example of at 28 years of age, he got knocked back in five drafts. Mm. And at 28 years of age, he ended up being a premiership player at Geelong, you know. Uh, and there's, there's examples of that um, fleetingly, but probably should be more examples of it if... Um, yeah. Well, there's a guy here in Tassie that uh, I ran club after club to try and get him a game, um, uh, the Glenorchy... Um, Jay um, Bowden. Jay Bowden. Mm. Now, you know, some say he's the best player that Glenorchy's had now. You know, it's, it's oh, very yeah, hard yeah. to go up against other errors and all that sort of stuff. But he's he's done everything in Tasmania now. Mm. When you see some of the guys that play AFL footy and get a game and you see Jay Bowden that never even got a chance, mm. you know, like it's a crying shame, you know. Yeah. Even when he was 25, 26, he should have got a chance. Oh, like little wingnut, he mm. got a chance at 28 mm. and had three or four terrific years, yeah, you know. Definitely. So, and, and you yourself, mate, you were even touted, and I, I know Macca was drafted, mm. but you were a chance to be uh, drafted, never got an opportunity who knows what might have happened, mate? Mm. You just never know, do you, Tank? No, you don't know. You never, you know. never know, mate. You <laughs> never know. You've touched on your junior footy ball, but um, we just want to know, how did your nickname ball come about? Obviously, you're a, a pretty big man and, what, 6'5", as we mentioned before, but it... Yeah, well, the, the name... I've had two nicknames, um, or one nickname in football, uh, but the ball was um, my my father Les, who was a great country footballer and cricketer, uh, and I used to follow him everywhere when when I was a young fella, and he was my major, you know, uh, person that I looked up to as a sportsman. Um, he he named me Bull, and um, and and when I was old enough to sort of game enough to ask him why he called me Bull. Um, I asked him, I was about 12 or 13, and I said, and his nickname was Straubs, and I said, Straubs, um, I said, you know, why did you name, nickname me Bull? I said, is it because I was really tough and all that, and, or horny, or what, you know, what, 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 what? He said, no, mate, he said, I'll tell you the real reason why I named you Bull. I said, why, mate? He said, well, when you were about two, he said, you used to drop your dummy and you dropped it about two foot away from yourself and you were that bloody lazy, you used to sit there and go, <laughs> He said, so I named you Bull. <laughs> there you go. I was really disappointed because I thought, of course, yeah, I was a real tough, tough, yeah. tough buggy. You I reckon know. that's what most people think. Yeah. This is and I, I reckon. But then uh, another nickname I had, when I went to Footscray, I, um, I got a nickname called Mushy. Mm-hmm. And and if any ever I hear anyone refer to me as mushy, it takes me back to the three years I had a Footscray because all the Footscray players and their wives and people that I met in that era, they all call me mushy. And what happened one night is I went out with a couple of players, Stevie Power and Gordon Casey, who were champion footballers. You guys would be too young to remember them, but uh, they both played around about two hundred games with the Bulldogs back in the in the in the seventies. And we went out one night, we went to the pub as we used to, and the pubs used to start at 10 o'clock in those days, and so you'd sort of, you know, scrounge around, try and grab a, you know, opposite sex, or (laughs) not like today where some of them actually grab the same sex. Back in those days, we used to actually look for women and all that sort of stuff, as young fellas do. And anyway, we got these couple of girls and we took them back to their house, and in those days, we were all a lot more innocent in those days, and most people lived with their parents. 
So we went back to Braybrook, which is out in the western suburbs. Pretty and, rough out there. Oh, well, it was pretty rough, but not too bad. And probably a lot rougher now. And uh, anyhow, we had to be really quiet because, uh, you know, their parents were in better sleep. And it was about quarter past ten by the time we got home. And so we had to take our shoes off. We went in the house, a triple front of brick veneer on Ballarat Road. I'll never forget it. So in we go. And, uh, and one of the girls said, what would you like to eat? And uh, I said, can I have a look in the pantry? And I opened up the pantry and there was a tin of Edgel's mushrooms in the tin. And I said, I want mushrooms on toast. So I go to training the next day because it was a Saturday night after a game and everyone started calling me Mushy. So that's how I got the nickname Mushy. <laughs> well, that's a bit of a better story, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, better than the bull story. <laughs> How'd you go? Did you, did you go all right that night? Ah, uh, look, look, it was, in all honesty, it was so much more innocent, I think, in those days. And, and I, you know, what I would have done, you know, as you, you know what I'm like, Mac, I would have set it up for another day. <laughs> <laughs> Without <Very> a doubt. <laughs> Sounds so like you're a you that, that stage? I was about 19. Yeah, about so 19. And, 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 and what I tell you, another story, when I lived at Footscray, I, um, I, I got a job in the site. They, you know, always got your job because, you know, we, we didn't get... But the first... Um, I, I remember the first game I played at, at Waverley Park, um, which was a brand-new stadium in those days, in the reserves, and uh, after the game, the reserves, it was terrific because they give you a ticket to go up into the stand and sit with all the injured senior players and the players' wives and all that. And I remember sitting there this day and the treasurer come up with a clipboard and a pencil and he handed me my match payments for the day. It was $5, (laughs) five bucks. So that's what we used to get paid, $5. And if you got a senior game, I think you got about $50, you know. That was the payment. So Well, it was, and they'd always, they'd get you a job as well. They'd always get you a job. And the first job I got at Footscray, I worked at uh, Anglis' Meatworks. And I lasted there two weeks because I walked past the slaughter where they slaughtered the, the, the beasts every... And I used to dry reach every morning going to work. So I lasted about a week or ten days and I just couldn't handle it anymore. So I, I tossed that in. And then they got me a job washing cars at Colpage Ford, who was the major sponsor of Footscray Football Club. And then after about 12 months there, I got a job in, the, in this uh, soft drink factory. So I worked in the soft drink factory. And, and then one weekend I got kicked out of the house that um, I, I was billeted to. So I actually parked my car on the nature strip in the soft drink factory and slept in my car for two weeks. <laughs> so for two weeks I'm playing football in the VFL, oh, AFL. And what I did was down the road in Sunshine there was a gym and it was a bounce ball gym. Now, if you guys ever know of a bounce, a bounce ball, um, it was the craze of the 70s. And what it was, it was like you'd go into the gym and there were um, trampolines everywhere. Mm-hmm. And there was like a volleyball net on top of the trampolines and it was a massive sport. And what you used to do is play volleyball on a trampoline. So you'd, you'd actually jump up when the other bloke... And it was, it was spiking and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if your father Guy has ever um, uh, known or seen bounce ball, but it was a great sport. <laughs> and there was a bounce ball gym down the road from the fo- soft drink factory, which I joined mm-hmm. just so that I could go and play bounce ball and have a shower every night <laughs> and then go back and live in my car. Well, I'll have to let him know. He might be able to 
bring it into his gym. It was fantastic. But, uh, yeah, for two weeks I actually slept in my car. Oh, yeah. That's a story for you. Yes. So you spent three years at Footscray, played 14 games, <coughs> and then you moved to Melbourne, and that's when things sort of started becoming a bit more... Yeah, well, things were going okay at, uh, at Footscray. The only trouble there is that the, the best ruckman in the competition at the time was a guy called Gary Dempsey. So he was a Footscray ruckman. Mm. And then the second best, well, not the second best ruckman in the competition, but Footscray's second um, ruckman was a guy called Barry Round, who was a, a legendary uh, Footscray, South Melbourne, Sydney, Sydney Swans. He was ended up being the first uh, captain of the Sydney Swans after uh, South Melbourne changed to Sydney Swans. But at that time, um, there was a lot of guys six foot four and over at Footscray. And what I did was, what got me to Melbourne actually was, uh, we played a semi-final at the MCG against Carlton in the reserves. And because I'd qualified for the reserves in my last year, I played 13 senior games. One of them I was on the bench and never got a run. And if you played more than 12 games in the seniors, you didn't qualify for the reserves finals. But because one of my senior games was on the bench and I didn't go on the ground, they counted it in my tally, but they didn't count it for the fact that I I didn't exceed 12 games for that year. So the first semi-final was when there was the top four, um, which you guys probably don't remember, but it used to be a top four in the in the mm. um, VFL. Uh, they had the first semi-final one Saturday, the second semi-final the second Saturday, the preliminary final uh, the third Saturday, and then the grand final was the fourth Saturday, and that's how it was. And all games were at the MCG. So uh, this first semi-final, we played Carlton at the MCG and uh, Footscray Carlton, and as it turned out, we won the game and I got best on the ground. And on the Monday at the soft drink factory, the phone rang and it was the secretary of Melbourne Football Club. And he said, over the phone, we'd like you to be our number one ruckman next year. We watched you play on Saturday. So the next year I went to Melbourne. Yeah, right. And that's how it was done. It was just done over the phone at work when I still had two games to go potentially to mm. play in the grand final of the reserves. As it turned out, we got beat in the preliminary final against Geelong, so we'd, I didn't play in a grand final. But the great thing about that game, it's, it's, I can still remember playing it. I can still remember how great it feels to be best on the ground. Mm. Um, and, you know, without big noting or anything, the, 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 when we play football, we play to play as well as we possibly can as a player, and if you can play as well as you possibly can, the team will benefit, you know, whether it's selfishness or whatever. So I always used to go out and try and play as well as I can and try and get best on the ground because there's no better feeling, win, lose or draw. If you're best on the ground, who gives a stuff? <laughs> <laughs> really. And that's what... And I, and I remember the feeling of this game I played so well and it got me a career at Melbourne. So you never, ever know what one great game's going to do for you. Mm, that's crazy, just mm. going into the next week knowing that you're probably you're going to be playing yeah. for a different club the next year. Yeah. Mm. Oh, there you go. So you moved to Melbourne, you played 127 games, and you're in and out of the side at Footscray. When did you start to sort of feel comfortable at VFL, AFL level? Well, I... Uh, in, um, at Footscray, I sort of felt half comfortable at, at, at Footscray even because I remember one game at Footscray um, when the state side was picked and, and, and back in those days I used to play the state side on the same day as the VFL rounds. 
So if you got picked in the state side, you went to Perth. The state game was played on the Saturday if it was in Perth, but you still played, the VFL still played their roster games. And, and this game that Gary Dempsey got, always got picked in the state side um, uh, in 1973 it was, um, yeah, 1973, he got picked in the state side. So I went up and played in the ruck. And we played Geelong at Geelong. And I played on Sammy Newman and uh, a guy called Bluey Hampshire, who was a great ruckman. Not as good as Sammy, but he was a great ruckman for Geelong. And he ended up uh, crossing to Footscray after probably 200 games at Geelong and actually ended up coaching Footscray as well. And I played on those two guys with another guy because back in those days, I used to play two ruckmen all the time. Two ruckmen and you'd change in the forward pocket. Now it's just down to one, which when I sort of finished my last few years, it was down to one. And uh, anyway, we played Geelong at Geelong. We took on Sammy Newman and Bluey Hampshire. Not only did we beat Geelong at Geelong, but I got best on the ground. Again. Again. <laughs> and so, I, so, so Macca, to answer your question, mate, I knew I could play at that level if I was given an opportunity, you yeah. know. And then when Dempsey had come back, I'd sort of go back to the seconds or whatever it was, you know. So when I, um, when, and after that final series that I had, then I went to Melbourne. Well, they put me in the first ruck first, uh, first off, and I just remember playing the first game that I played for Melbourne was against Carlton at Princess Park at Carlton's home ground and I remember we got beat but I played really well you know I played really well so I sort of knew that I could hack it at that at that level unfortunately my career was sort of cut a lot shorter than what it should have been because I I ended up having knee reconstructions and all that sort Mm. of stuff and I just couldn't quite fulfil what I should have you know my my career sort of I should have played 200 games at least, but my last few years I hardly played a game yes, because I had complications after complications. The first time you injured it, you didn't even have surgery on it, did you? you first just... time, you're right there, mm-hmm. mate. I, uh, I, 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 did it, um, I did it against Footscray in the first game in 1979, which was unfortunately the, the year after I won the best and fairest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, So I've won the best and fairest. I was one of the favourites for the Brownlow medal. Mm. I was so sort of into sort of everything. I've come out the first game the next year. We played Footscray, at, which is my old club at Footscray. And Carl Dittrich, if you guys remember a guy called Carl Dittrich, he was the biggest, baddest ruckman that you'd <laughs> ever come across. Right at St Kilda, he was an absolute superstar, and he was like he was like Carey and Witten and and all these Ablett and all these boys put into one bloke. He was six foot five. He was handy then. He was an Adonis, mate. This bloke, <laughs> honest to God, Carl Dittrich, and and Carl Dittrich was such a superstar. Unfortunately, when St Kilda won their only premiership in '66, he was suspended because he was the toughest bloke that I ever played against. He went out and just wanted to hurt and maim and hit, right? Well, he come to Melbourne as captain coach for this 1979 season, right? So I'd won the best and fairest as a ruckman the year before, and then they've appointed Carl Dittrich as captain coach. So this first game, he took the first ruck, 
And as a ruckman, you wanted to be first ruck. You didn't want to be second ruck. And especially when you're the best player in the club, you don't want to be first. Anyway, this game. So they bounced the ball for the first opening game, for the first game of 1979. Whatever's happened, they've got the ball down. I'm in the forward pocket. I've taken a mark, kicked a goal. Right, the ball's gone back to the centre again. The, whatever's happened around, the ball's come down again. I've taken another mark. I've kicked another goal. So <laughs> at about the five-minute mark, I've got two goals on the mm. board. And as ruxman do that, you know, when they want to change, they say we'll change every five or six minutes. So he's put his hand up for me to change. So I've gone into the ruck after I've kicked two goals in five minutes. <laughs> The ball's been bounced, and you wouldn't believe Bluey Hampshire, the guy I stitched up at Geelong a few years earlier, he's now playing for Footscray. Mm-hmm. So he's in the ruck for Footscray. So I've gone up with my knee up, and he's come up and kneed me in the bottom joint of my cruciate ligament oh. and just ripped it in half. <laughs> and that was it. So I've hobbled along for the rest of the game. I've played the game out. <laughs> played it out in the first Mate, I've played the game out. I remember going up after the game and I've, like, I'm sweating in the toilets and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I've gone home, left a half a beer in the bloody club. That's how crook I was. <laughs> I've gone home. My missus has got up at one o'clock in the morning. I said, I'm crying and everything. She's taken me to hospital. I'm on a hospital bed and the doctor's come out and he's got the biggest needle and he's just sucking all this blood out of my knee. Oh. And that was it. That's, cool. That's the season done. Well, funnily done. enough, I played. I, 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 I missed about the next 10 weeks and then the, I went to the surgeon and he said, look, you can either have it, we can either um, give it a reconstruction now or you can build the knees up. And, the, and because I'd just come off my best year, I worked in the gym and I got my knee as, as strong as I possibly could. And then I played another year and a half and then made the state side. So in 1981, two years later, I was in that good a form again. I've made the state side. Now, the state side was picked after about the first six games and it was played on the seventh or the eighth game of the year. <coughs> against Perth. This is in the in state of origin, <coughs> the best players against the best players. In 1978, I made the state side as a ruckman. Mm-hmm. 1981, after I've come back from this injury with, by not, not getting an operation, I've made the state side again. So we've gone to Perth again, played the state game over there. I've come back two weeks later, I'm playing against Richmond at the MCG, my knee just collapsed. And I never played for Melbourne again. Shit. So that was my career at Melbourne. So then I worked on my knee for about 18 months and then I just couldn't. Then Melbourne gave me the flick. Yeah. I was vice captain in 81. In 83, I was gone. And then I went to Sydney Swan for a couple of years. You talk about getting delisted with Melbourne. There's a bit of a, is there a bit of a story behind There was a story there. there. <laughs> because the year before, as I said, I was uh, in the state side. I, mm. um, I was vice captain. <clears throat> I've gone to the Guernsey night, which was a big night for VFL, AFL clubs. Well, it was VFL then. Uh, you know, 2,000 people, supporters, celebrities, all that sort of stuff, and I wore number one. Mm. And they started reading the Guernseys out, and they, first of all, the, the celebrities are up there, the, the media celebrities who barrack for <coughs> Melbourne, and they said, um, they said, oh, first number up, number two. 
Number two was Robbie Flower, who was captain of the club, and you would never, anyway. And then they got up to number 10 and hadn't mentioned my name, and I was number one. And um, the selector that I was, I was on a table of selectors, and by this stage, they'd all gone to the toilet, all the selectors. And there was only one guy there, was a guy called Rudy Webster, who was a West Indian witch doctor, who worked with, <laughs> who worked with the, um, the West Indian side, he worked with Richmond Footy Club, and he finally came over to Melbourne with Ron Barassi. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he said, Bull, he said, how come you're not up there yet? <laughs> and I said, I'm not all that sure, mate, but you don't have to be Einstein to find out. And, but I did give him uh, um, a bit of credit. I waited till I got up to number 42. And when my name wasn't read out, I just walked straight out the room. And that was it. That's how I left Melbourne Footy Club wow. after 10 years. <laughs> so you find out at a Gansey night, you don't even get sat down and told. Nothing, mate. After spending how long? 127 well, games? all there. that, yeah. Yeah, that's a bit sad. That's how. Mm-hmm. And I was one week off um, becoming life member. So oh, yeah. I was a week off life member. Yeah. That sucks. And that's, <laughs> that's anyway, that's, that's all. And, and the funny thing was that that was on the Saturday night, the week before the first game. <clears throat> on the Monday night, I lived in St Kilda and a lot of the players come round to have a beer with me, you know, yeah. the week before the first game. And we're all there having a good old drink and there's a knock on the door because Ron Barassi was the coach. And um, Ron, and, the, and, the, and someone's gone open the door and in walked Ron, you know, two days after mm. to come around to apologise. Oh. And then no one spoke to Barass, so he just walked, he, he just turned around and walked out again. Not even the well. players spoke to him. <laughs> yeah. But the funny thing with it all is that uh, I ended up, um, um, my restaurant here, Rockwall, he was a partner with me for a couple of, uh, for, mm. for a few years. Yeah, so exactly. we did mend our bridges. And I remember um, back in uh, about 14 years ago, which would have been uh, 2004 or five or six or whatever it was, um, I saw Barass in, in Hobart. And I just read the day before that he was doing uh, Walking the Kokoda Trail for, um, for his 70th birthday. Mm-hmm. And I saw him and I said, Brian, how you going? He said, yeah, good mate. I said, congratulations, you've taken 20 of your good mates to the Kokoda to celebrate your 70th birthday. He said, yeah. He said, would you like to come? I said, mate, that'd be fantastic. So we, uh, we uh, you know, sweetened everything up. I yeah. walked the Kokoda with him for his 70th. Uh, a year or two later, we went to Mongolia and did a 15-day bike ride through uh, the mountains of Mongolia with him. Uh, and then we become, um, I'm, I'm, I sold him a share of my restaurant for about 10 years, so everything's fine. You know, oh, that's, nice. that's sort of, that's what happens. It, you know, that sort of thing should never have happened, as mm. we all know, yeah. but Absolutely. sometimes it does. Mm. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you mentioned Ron Barassi. Um, when he first came to the club, the footy club, you guys, he didn't really have a... Got off to a bit of a shaky start. Yeah, well, that was uh, that was good because you see, I, I won the best and fairest, um, as I said, uh, and I don't want to sort of say too much that I won the best and fairest <laughs> at Melbourne. But you know, <laughs> what, what happened? What happened in 1978? I'd sort of had a few years at Melbourne where I was sort of, you know, I was going okay, but I, I, I just hadn't quite reached my. Uh, my top and um, there's a guy uh, there's a restaurant in uh, in in Burke Street Melbourne called Pellegrini's and mm. and it's an unfortunate um, story now because um, if we remember uh, last year the my mate um, that uh, was the owner of Pellegrini's Sisto 
he was um, he was murdered yeah, uh, last year in, that, in yeah. that terrorist attack in Burke Street, and oh, he, yeah. he was he 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 was a great friend of mine, mm. restaurant fellow restaurant. He'd been at that restaurant for fifty years, yeah. and in nineteen seventy eight, at the start of seventy eight, I decided to go there and have a lasagna, mm. and then the following day, this is on the Friday night, and the following day I got I played really well. So the following Friday, this is in nineteen seventy eight. And I'd never been there before. And the following, so it ended up that every Friday night I went to Pellegrini's, had a lasagna, and had my best year of footy. And you didn't shave your beard. And I never shaved my beard. (laughs) I never shaved my beard. I'd never had a beard before then. Um, And I I remember I used to sort of, you know, if I ever, you know, allowed the second ruckman to have a a run in the ruck, I'd (laughs) I'd go down and kick two or three in the forward pocket. I used to actually taste the lasagna in my beard. You know, that's how great the lasagna was. I'd purposely leave some in there. Um, oh, mate, it was just terrific. But um, but that that's how I ended up. Um, you know that I had this super. I've never had superstitions, mm. but that was one. That was my superstition. Uh, every week I'd go there and I'd play better and better and better. And uh, any rate, um, obviously I had the had the beard when Barassi come along, mm. and uh, Barassi and I, there were, there was a bit of a fallout prior to Barassi coming. Not a fallout with me, but. I'd been offered, I was on, um, I think I was on at that stage about um, 5,000 a year or something, mm. winning, being the best player. I was the following year I signed for 5,000. And prior to 1981, Barassi coming, Collingwood offered me 75,000 for three years, which was just <sighs> off the show for, mm. for me. And because I, I was a Melbourne supporter growing up, I loved Melbourne, Brassy come along. I just stayed there for basically whatever I was getting, which wouldn't have been much more, five or 7,000 or something uh, back in those times. So I did have a bit of a standoff from the club during pre-season. And then when they finally, I finally decided to stay at Melbourne and I trained hard and all that sort of stuff under Barassi, I'd never forget the, the Monday night or the Tuesday night before the first game, they named the captain and the vice-captain of the footy club, which was just a few days before the first game in 1981. And because I put in such a big pre-season, Barassi got up and he named the captain Robbie Flower Mm -hmm. and the vice-captain was Gary Bull Baker. So I was on a good start. But prior to that, at the first team meeting where all the players are there, and, and, and Barras got up and he said, now there's two things I don't like in a footballer. One, if a player hasn't got a job, and I wasn't working at the time, <laughs> and two, if he's got a beard or facial hair. <laughs> so I was sort of on the outer from the start. He's, he's, just, he's just having a go at you then, isn't all, it? <laughs> it was all about me. But uh, anyway, so I've gone out the next day and, um, and shaved my beard off. Uh, another guy, Peter Giles, who was one of my best mates, had a beer as well, and we both. And I, I remember the, the the Age newspaper come round one night, and because they heard the story, and here we both are shaving one another's beard off, which was on the front page of the Age. So <laughs> at least I got something out of it. And then um, yeah, so I I was vice captain, so I was obviously in pretty good form. And then the first five or six games, I was in real good form, made the state side, as I said, and then my knee collapsed. So. Uh, and then I didn't play for that club 
after that at all. And, and obviously uh, with the uh, Guernsey night where I never got my Guernsey <laughs> and, and then went to the Sydney Swans, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a bit stiff, Paul. Um, I heard you mention just before Robbie Flower, who's one of the obviously bigger names that's played at the Melbourne Footy Club. What can you tell us about Robbie? Well, Robbie, um, actually I, nicked, I give him his nickname back when I first went to Melbourne in 1974 and I nicknamed him Tulip which is pretty obvious, you know, but he, he become, you know, synonymous with Tulip, like everyone knew him as Tulip, yeah. uh, which was his nickname. Uh, a player that um, um, he was, when I first met him in 1974, when I first walked into the club rooms, I never forget, I saw him. I'd heard a, a lot about him because the year before he was, uh, Robbie Flower come up, I think um, from memory, he played under 16s for Melbourne, one game, then under-18s for Melbourne, one game, under-19s for Melbourne, one game. Then they put him in the reserves, and then they put him in the seniors. That's how good he was, Robbie Flower. But if you saw him, he looked like Mr Peabody, honest to God. He had to run around the shower to get wet. He was so (laughs) thin and anemic looking, and he wore these glasses with big Coke bottle glass in them. And this is Robbie Flower. And he was he was the, the the scrungiest, skinniest guy, one of the best guys you could meet. He was mm. such a, a the supporters loved him, all the parents loved him, the club loved him. He was he was just about the perfect person um, as a footballer. But he was brilliant, you know. He went out on the field, he blind turned, no one could I know he got topped a few injuries, which we all do, but no one could sort of tackle him and that he was you could see him blind turning in the air you could see I remember I remember going from Mark in the goal square one day in a practice game and I'm, I'm back and back and here I am the bloke that takes the most marks in the club and I've gone up and I just never touched the footy and I've looked around his bloody Robbie Flower he snuffled it off me you know he could do anything Robbie Flower um, he was a brilliant brilliant player but the funny thing with Robbie Flower is most champions in football clubs that play for 15 years, when the club is most of the time down near the bottom, normally win six or eight best and fairest. Robbie Flower only won one, and he won it on the last vote of the night and beat a mate of mine called Shane Grambo, um, who the last game of the year Shane had this job, he was a great defender, but Phil can't, we played Collingwood the last game, and the club said, we don't care if you don't get a kick, just keep Phil calm and as, as, to as few possessions as you possibly can. So he sort of did that without being spectacular, and it cost him the best and fairest. And if he had played his normal game, Robbie Flower wouldn't have won one best and fairest at Melbourne. It's a bloody midfielder's award, mate. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? You know? Fancy that one BNF. One BNF. Well, he played and, and, 272 oh, I think games. it was that many games. Yeah. And he was the, you know, we say he was the best player at the, at the Melbourne Footy Club. But see, Robbie Flower was a guy that used to get, you know, he wasn't a great accumulator of possessions. He was just brilliant with everything yeah. he did. So he'd get 12 to 15 possessions, you know. Blokes like Greg Wells, 
would get 40 possessions and, and, and the little back pocket player that was tough as nails that, that the, the coach Bobby Skilton just loved tough players, he'd get all the votes. Well, big Carl Dittrich come over and he won two best and fairest. He's yeah. only there for four years and it was yeah, all that right. sort of yeah. stuff, yeah. you know. And little Robbie only won um, one BNF, but unfortunately yeah, right. uh, passed away a couple of years ago. Mm. Yeah. Heard that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, that's pretty sad. Um, you talk about some of the great players at Melbourne. Um, I read somewhere you, you rate Gary Hardiman quite highly. Gary Hardiman was an absolute um, uh, brilliant player. He, he was about six foot one or two, played centre half back. But he was, uh, you, well, Gary Hardiman was picked in Melbourne's team of the century, so he mm. was a very, very good player. You yeah. know, very good player. Greg Wells, probably the best player that I've, I played with at Melbourne. Uh, never got picked in the team of the century, but I saw online yesterday that they picked the best side from 1970 to the current. The one thing that surprised me is that I wasn't in it. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that I was very pleased with was uh, Greg Wells was in it because he was... Yeah. Greg Wells, is a, he's, he's a great friend of mine and, I, and he was a great player, but Greg Wells, we played Fitzroy at uh, the MCG and uh, he got uh, 44 possessions this day. And then the following week, we played at Footscray, at Footscray, and he was injured, right? The following week, we played Carlton at the MCG, and Greg Wells played for Carlton. So in that 10-day period, Carlton went to Greg Wells after his last game was 45 possessions for Melbourne, and said, we want you to play for Carlton next week. This is halfway through the year. Mm. And Greg Wells said, I love Melbourne. I want to play at Melbourne. And they said, well, you've got no choice. They've already given us um, permission to interview you. So the next week, he played against Melbourne. <laughs> That's how it was in those well, days. So he didn't have to sign off on it. Mel- they made a trade. Melbourne, to, but, well, Melbourne basically said, well, we're going for the future. You're not going to be in our future. He was probably only about 30. Jeez. But what happened is that that year... He played in Carlton's Premiership side. So... Made the right decision. Well, he still... You know, it's funny with Greg because he's a real Melbourne bloke. Mm. Loves Melbourne. Come up through the under-10s and under-14s and and loved Melbourne. And he... Look, he's he's very pleased that he played in a Premiership, Mm. but he would have rather have done it at Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. Through that time, as you mentioned, Melbourne obviously didn't see a great deal deal of success. Um, was there anything you guys did off the field to keep you guys interested in playing? We had a ball off the field. Like a, a great <laughs> mate of mine that lives in Hobart that played in four premierships, two at Carlton, two at North Melbourne, Brent Croswell. Mm, who he used is, to teach me at Hutchins. Yeah, well, he's a, he's a great friend of mine and uh, he reckons that he had more fun at Melbourne even though they never made the finals, <laughs> then he added all these other clubs, he said, because the characters and all that at Melbourne and, you know, because we weren't super successful, you know, we used to have a good time off the field, mate. Yeah. yeah. Any particular stories? Have you got any good footy trip stories or Mad Monday stories? Oh, look, um, gee, footy trip stories... Um, yeah, we used to have a ball on the footy trips because every year we used to go to uh, uh, Surfers Paradise and we used to get, uh, the first, you know, after about two or three days we'd get there and, and we'd all go and hire mini mokes and there'd be about, you know, 30 players and we'd get 10 mini, or eight mini mokes and we'd, um, you know, there'd be four or five in each mini moke and, and what we used to do is go to a place called Bartlett's Barn which was this 
uh, hotel bar restaurant that was on on the um, on the river about twenty minutes out of surfers, and um, and anyway on the way to Bartlett's barn they used to call it, um, we'd all go and fill our uh, mini mokes up with fruit and eggs and and whatever we could buy we'd fill it up and hide it under the thing and on the way back, and this is what you know if you saw someone doing it now you would think. These boats have got to be locked up. There would be one bloke driving, the other four blokes in the mini moat be standing up on the Gold Coast Highway with five <laughs> other, six other mini mokes having egg and fruit fights. <laughs> and I remember one time we were all despondent because we'd had we'd been absolutely caved in with fruit and eggs and all that sort of stuff, and we had a little bit left over. And so whoever's driving is driving. There's a bloke on a push bike. So someone's got up and let him have it with eggs. Well, the bloke, he's, he's been hit with eggs left, right and centre. And we're nearly back to where we were going. Well, this bloke has followed us and chased us. Well, I've never ever seen a bloke on a push bike that's been battered and bruised by fruit have it over five VFL footballers, mate. We were going, trying to get away from him as fast as we bloody could, I tell you. And we drove past, I remember we drove past the, the, the mob that, um, that we rented the cars off and the bloke just happened to be at the front and you saw this mini moke, mate, and it was covered with watermelon and eggs and all that sort of stuff. It was funny, but that was that was just one little trip that we used to do all the time. But we used to do it every year. I remember we went to Hawaii when Barassi was coach, mm. and we did the same thing there. Uh, but we we hired uh, Suzuki soft tops there, oh. and I never forget that we were all doing it. And Barassi got up in his mini mug because he didn't know what was going on, and he got up to abuse everyone. And someone hit him fair in the back of the head with a watermelon. <laughs> A full one. A full watermelon, <laughs> mate. Out, it? It just about knocked him <laughs> out. Uh, oh. Lucky they didn't have cameras back in those days then. Thanks for touching on that, mate. It's always good to hear a good footy trip story and we're not the only ones that have a few of those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, after your footy career, mate, you moved to Tassie. Why, why the move to Tassie? Well, I was, uh, I, I, when I finished at the Swans, and I, I had a couple of good years up there. I never... Um, I never actually, there was no great heights of uh, playing up there because my injuries had completely um, uh, caught up with me. But I, I just felt really proud that I played um, senior AFL footy in my teens, in my 20s and in my 30s. So not many people do that sort of thing, even though it wasn't, there was no finals and all that sort of stuff. But I was just proud to hang around for that amount of time and then I went coaching in the VFA so I went to the VFA which is now known as the VFL as you know and there were two divisions in VFA there was first division second division and I coached two clubs in two years in in the second division and at the end of the second year I had an opportunity to come Uh, a mate of mine I got him a coaching job a couple of years earlier with the Sandy Bay Footy Club and he rang me up and found this hotel in Sandy Bay and he rang me up when I was probably didn't know what I was going to do next and he said would I like to come down to Hobart and open up this hotel with him so I come down and checked it out in late 86 and moved down in late 86, early 87, and um, ran pubs for 10 or 15 years. And the last 15 years I've ran restaurants. Uh, loved my time in, in, um, in Tassie. Um, I, I, I can't see myself really moving away from Tassie or Hobart. Um, but along the way, I've, I played a little bit of footy down here as well. Yeah, I saw that you played two games for Sandy Bay. Two really good games. So. <laughs> 
Well, there's a funny story about this, the, the, the um, you know, because I'd, I'd, you know, played hundreds of whatever games for VFL, well, you know, I've, I've gone to, my pub was in Sandy Bay, so Sandy Bay were all around me. I remember Clarence took me through their club rooms because I was going to be the biggest buddy hit for... 1987, and I ended up going to Sandy Bay because the pub was in Sandy Bay and I was sort of more looking at the business side of things. And uh, anyway, I got picked for the first game of 1987, Sandy Bay. We played Devonport up in Devonport, and it was Devonport's first year in the statewide league. It was basically the start of the statewide league. I think maybe the year before it might have marginally started, but Devonport had joined in uh, 1987. And anyway, we had the bus trip up there, and Andy Bennett was coach. And the year before, they were, Sandy Bay were favourites for the Premiership. They won the second semi, smashed Glenorchy yeah, boys. That's the one where they lost the Glenorchy oh, team yeah. was talking about. That was it, yeah. mate. They lost, they smashed them in the second semi. And in the grand final, they got smashed. And it was a bloodbath, and I've yeah. actually seen a tape of the game, and it was on for young and old the whole game. But Glenorchy ended up winning by you know fifty or forty or fifty or sixty points or something. Tim Woodham, t- Timmy Woodham got knocked out. About that, he got knocked that out game. by Ambrose McDonald, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, who who was a very good player, but tough and hard. And uh, anyway, the, the Sandy Bay boys just never fired at all. Whereas Glenorchy, and when you went through Glenorchy's side that year, they had fantastic players. Oh yeah, Fam, like you know Billy Dunn and and, um, and Johnny Klug and Super Linton and. And oh, like the the list just went on and mm. on and on, and in the and in, in, in that uh, game there was I, I I think there was about ten players that had either come from VFL AFL or went to VFL AFL like Trent Nichols and Darren mm. Pritchard and Michael Seddon and all those sort of blokes and Glenorchy had Todd Spearman and um, Johnny Klug and there was numerous other players so it was a, actually a great spectacle of a game but the thing is back in those days it was a lot harder and you know like it was king hits and you yeah. know all that sort of it's stuff tough, it, it reminded it, me very much of the VFA that I used to well I played and I used to watch all the time it was as as tough as nails. Anyway, this is the following year and Andy Bennett was the beaten grand final coach. And anyway, we go up to Devonport and play and uh, I remember I got dragged off at three-quarter time because I hadn't had a kick, <laughs> not one. So I, I, I actually deserved to, to deserve to get dragged off. My <laughs> father, Straubs, he lived in Harvey Bay and he flew down from Harvey Bay, Queensland to watch me play my first game. It's a nice spot, Harvey Bay. Beautiful spot. So he's driven up. I've gone up on the bus Anyway, right after the game, I said, I'm not going back on the bus. I've jumped in the car with him. We're driven four hours back to Hobart. He said, mate, he said, I've come all this bloody way to watch <laughs> you play. You never haven't had one kick. He said, I don't think you should play footy anymore, mate. So I said, nah, that's it. So I've said to the Sandy Bay Footy Club, mate, that's it for me. I'm not playing <laughs> after ever one again. Game. After one the game. The towel's in. I've threw, thrown the towel in. Mind you, I was, I was running the best nightclub in Hobart at that stage, working till five o'clock in the morning, and I reckon your old man was there every bloody night. <laughs> Don't worry about that. So, at any rate, uh, about ten weeks later, I'm working at the pub, and Andy Bennett comes in. He says, Bully says, uh, I want you to play Saturday week. I said, you what? <laughs> I said, mate, you saw me other game. He said, yeah, but I'm in the state side. We've got no ruckman. He said, I just want you to back up the ruckman that are there. We're playing Hobart. I said, mate, you, you, I haven't trained since that game. He said, just get out. You've got 10 days to so I remember. And back in those days in the mid-'80s, 
it was the the weather was was bright the weather here in Hobart so much better now so I'm run, <laughs> running up and down Sandy Bay every night in the sleet and the snow and trying to get myself right and we're playing Hobart who was coached by Peter Hudson mm-hmm. who had Paul Hudson had just the, the day we played it was at Sandy Bay Paul Hudson he'd kicked about 14 for Hutchins in the morning and then <laughs> followed up this day kicked about nine in the afternoon <laughs> they had the Fox Brothers and I played on a bloke called Craig Hoyer who was an ex-Hawthorne Ruckman who was obviously about 10 years younger than me or more but um, he was about six foot six and he's running around sort of playing pretty well and I'm just, I can't get a kick at all. Can't get a kick. And anyway, halfway through the last quarter, I've been reported for kicking him. <laughs> Is that the only kick you had for the game? For two games. <laughs> so after the game, I got to go to the tribunal. I think I got two weeks, and I said, that is it. That's it. So my stats there, and I can see your sheet there, is two games, one kick. But that kick was actually for kicking a, an opponent. <laughs> that was it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's you a, mentioned the toughness tough there. Um, how did it compare coming down to Tassie and playing in the, v, uh, the VFL, that toughness and that brutality? Uh, in Tassie, yeah. um, well, Tassie was pretty good footy, mm. you know, because I, I, like I play second division in the VFL. Now, first division was tough and hard and brilliant as mm. well. Second division wasn't, it was a bit probably like, you know, TSL and, and SFL. You know, yeah. you had a bit more time and all that sort of mm. stuff, and and hence it, I had two pretty good years in the VFA second division. Whereas I, I'm, I'm not sure that at my age and with uh, when your career's over, that uh, that you you're going to be um, as effective in a better competition. Mm. So I I say to I I tutor young fellas now or not young fellas at players that have been around for about 10 or 15 years and I say to them don't retire from the game of footy you play as long as you can but what you've got to do is when you're used to being a good player you've still got to be a good player otherwise you won't enjoy your football so what you've actually got to do is pick the league the standard that you can still be a good player at right so after a couple of years I went out to Richmond and played (laughs) right in 2000, in 1994 and 1995, I went out to Richmond. I was 41 years of age and hadn't played for a few years mm-hmm. other than a, um, a good friend of your father's, a guy called Scott McMurray. Mm-hmm. He got me to play at, um, at Friends. Yeah. And the Friends coach come round to the pub. This is a couple of years before I went to Richmond. And they'd, they, they said, look, we need a Ruckman. If you come and play with us, will win the premiership. Said so all you've got to do is play three games to qualify. That's a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> three, three, three games to qualify. And um, play three games to qualify and then play the finals and we'll win the flag. They're on top, all that. So I played three games to qualify. Then we played OHA in the second semi out at Richmond. We... We smashed them. I played, I think, played in the ruck and full forward. Had a couple of blues, and I remember, and I still see the bloke comes into my restaurant now um, that I played on, and we often talk about it. Uh, anyway, so we've gone straight into the grand final. They've won the, the preliminary final against whoever they played. So Sandy Bay, we played, and, and bearing in mind, I've played under 14s, two premierships, haven't played in one since. I'm, I'm about 39 years of age now and haven't played in a flag since I was 14. 
and we're favourite to win this premiership against OHA. They beat us by 18 goals. Oh, wow. 18 goals. <laughs> so, so I said to the I said to the coach, who was a Rainbird, who um, Sav Rainbird, who was the coach. He, he come up to me, and said, because uh, as you probably would know, I was the only decent player that they had. <laughs> And uh, I said, mate, that's it. I'm not playing next year. He said, mate, play next year and we'll win the flag. I said, mate, you've told me that and I'm not falling for it again. Well, you'd never guess what they did. Won the next three. Yeah. So I missed out there. So I missed out on them. And then I went and played Super Rules uh, one year. And a guy that I played Super Rules with, a bloke called Bruce Tangles Coles, who was about a 450-game player who played at Richmond, he said, come out and play at Richmond. So I went out to Richmond in 94. Um, we had the most amazing uh, year. I won the best and fairest for no, Richmond no. at 41. Uh, in the grand final, uh, we were uh, four goals down with three minutes to go of the first half. We kicked four goals in the last three minutes to go in at half-time against Campania, who were the rivals of Richmond. And anyone that from Campania listen to this, I hope that you choke on your Wheaties. <laughs> we went in at level at half-time, okay, after kicking the last four, after being four goals behind. We come out in the third quarter and kicked ten goals to nothing and then kicked the first seven goals of the last quarter. So from being four goals down, we kicked the next 21 goals and won by 83 points, the premiership. Not only did I win the best and fairest, I got best on the ground in the grand final and finally got my elusive premiership. And then at the end of the year, my great mate Danny Byrne from Dodgers Ferry, who was the captain coach, he resigned. The club asked me if I would um, coach them the next year at 42. So I coached them the next year and played in the grand final. We won it again. Yeah, right. Yeah. So finished off with two premierships in the end. So I started off with time. two finished and finished off with two. It's the only way to do it. Funny how it works. start and finish, yeah. mate. Um, do you get around to much of the footy in Tassie now? Do you go to the State League or SFL footy, old scholars footy? Uh, look, I, I, I sort of don't. Um, I, I did for a long time and, and I had great... Um, look, my, my great uh, enjoyment in Tassie footy was in about 1995 or six or something. I uh, Well, for a start, in, for 10 years in the 90s, I did a, 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 a radio show called Drop, Kick and Punk. And we did that on Triple T, it was then, which is, which is double, 1007 on the dial. It used to be called Triple T. And a guy called Kenny Anderson and I, um, we did this uh, footy show, which was fantastic. Two hours every Saturday morning. Um, and what we used to do is talk about the statewide footy a lot. We'd talk about... AFL footy a lot, we'd always get statewide players on, we'd always get an AFL um, person on, but we also talked to somebody from every country league in the state, yeah. and and everyone listened to that show because 
every country footy club in the mm. state listening. was listening yeah. in and we'd always in, enjoy talking to the person down at um, Port Arthur League, up in the Tasman League, the, the Tribunal League, the, all the, you know, the, the SFL, the, all the leagues all got a mention and, mm. and we had a ball doing that. We did it for 10 years and halfway through those 10 years I also worked for the ABC when statewide was really fantastic, you know, yep. when they used to get four or five or six thousand to, to, to normal games, when they get 20,000 to the grand final, yeah. when they get 10,000 to the semi-finals, you'd go up to Bernie and you'd be hated up there and they'd, it was just absolutely fantastic. So my enjoyment out of football and I, and I put a fair bit into it for, for half of my time here in Tassie was, was working the boundary for the ABC and doing the odd call but, I, but my uh, great enjoyment was working the boundary and talking to the people on the ground and, and talking to supporters and spectators and interviewing players after the game and doing all that sort of stuff. So I had a lot of enjoyment out of doing that sort of stuff and, and, and it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I remember uh, the, 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 I think it was the 2000 grand final when Bernie and Clarence played. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the best grand finals. Uh, Clarence ended up winning by about five or six points. And obviously at North Hobart. And I remember I was out in the middle of the ground with the microphone. And Clarence was running up and down the ground one way. And Bernie was running up and down the ground the other way. And I'm in the middle of them and they're basically going past me. And next minute I saw Darren Winter. Your coach. He's a thug, isn't he? Well, I don't know if he's a thug, but I saw Darren Winter and he's just shifted into the middle of, 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 his, of Clarence on the inside of the pack because he saw that on the inside of the pack from Bernie was a guy called Darwish Wilson who was their okay. toughest yeah. and hardest player. And Wish is just running like he's running up and down the ground and next minute he's folded over because Darren Winter is giving him one in the middle of the ground when he didn't suspect it <laughs> and down he's gone. And, like and that, was, that was before the ball was bounced. That was when they were just warming up. Now, as the game turned out, Wendy, I think, went... They expected him in the back pocket. I think he went down to the forward pocket. And when um, Wish Wilson was trying to square up with him, there was a little bloke called Jared Reed yeah. that kicked about four goals in the first four minutes yeah. and set this game up. Mm-hmm. And that was all because what Darren Winter did before the game set up this little bit of thing that was going to happen. So Wish Wilson had his eye off the ball. Jared Reed kicked four goals. They ended up winning by five points. The game there, Peter German was the coach of, um, of, of Bernie. It was, well, that was the game there. They just played catch-up and they nearly got their Bernie, <clears throat> but they didn't quite. <clears throat> that was one of the great games that I saw. I think if I can remember, it's it was, story, it was it's pretty wet that day. It was well, wet. It, it wet was a muddy, wet day. Yeah. It was He's a wet day. He's in the first <laughs> five or six minutes. He did. It's a good story. You know, yeah. he missed out on the... Um Playing the grand final the year before. That's right. That's season. exactly right. He mm-hmm. missed out. He got. I think he may have got dropped for the grand yeah, final or something. Mm. And then he come out in the next grand final. He kicked four in the first five minutes. Mm. Yeah. Pretty special story. Yeah. <laughs> so so, I, so sorry, mate. I just love doing that mm. side of things for Tassie. But to answer your question, Macca, uh, I haven't seen much football 
Um, I haven't seen much football for so a few you, years. What do you reckon it needs to happen for that to come back? As it seems, to be well, a it's, bit look, lost? look, it's pretty tough for all those crowds to come back. Look, oh, you know. I'm probably going against the grain here, but I just think we should get back. And I've been a great supporter of statewide footy because I've seen the best of it, but I'm not sure with with not having Bernie and not having Mm. Devonport and not having half the sides in Launceston, I think it's a dead loss now. Um, I think we should go back and have a major competition in the South. Mm. and a major competition in the north and the north can combine the north and the northwest and we should just have the best six or eight sides and and i haven't mentioned six sides and 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 people have said to me how can we just have a competition with six six sides and i say when football when the old timers say we've got to get back to what it was like before scott wade stuffed our football league up (laughs) which he didn't but that's what all the old-timers say. We've got to get back to before statewide. How many sides were there? How many? Six. <laughs> there were six sides. So if- when Tassie was, was in the 60s and the 50s and the 70s, when they say that that's when Tassie, when you had Bingley and Devine and all these, Ace Richmond and all these blokes, these great players, they'd come down and Captain Coach Ian Bremner and, and Brett Stevens and all these guys... They had six sides. There was New Norfolk, there was Sandy Bay, there was North Hobart, there was Hobart, Hobart Clarence, Clarence and, and Glenorchy. Yeah. And that was it. And, they had the, and that probably went for 50 years mm. with six sides. So there's no reason we couldn't have six sides. If you want to add, you know, because we haven't got Sandy Bay, if you want to add Claremont or... or well, now you've got Lauderdale anyway, which is uh, you know, a side that wasn't there in those days. But what is wrong with getting, having a local competition down here? Because the football's still going to be the same. Because all you're doing is you're missing two sides in Launceston, yep. which is not going to make any difference. But all of a sudden you're going to get people, because I said at the time, and I would have said, and if we could go back to my radio show, I did say it, what is happening with the statewide when the crowd started to drop off? is people are saying, I'm not going to Devonport this week because it's too far. And then the next week, when their side plays at home, they'd say, well, I enjoyed what I did last week. I'm going to do that again. <laughs> yeah. So, And after a while, they stop going to the football because yeah. they find other things to do. Whereas if we've got our local league down here, you can go and watch Lauderdale every week and you're only travelling 20 minutes to see him play. Yeah. But people don't want to travel and can't afford to travel up to the, up to the north of the state every second or fourth week or whatever it is yeah. and I know it might go against the, the windies and the coaches of today and all that because, well who knows it may not but I would love to see a local competition because the players are going to be the same players so the standard is actually going to be the same if not better because you're not sitting on a bus for four hours going to Launceston mm. Mm. That's true. No, you always have your North South at the end of the year. And yeah, well, that's, but that's what, that's what used to make football here state in Tassie. They'd have the mm. state grand final, you know. Mm. And anyway, the way it is now, like um, North Launceston have won five of the last six premierships or whatever it is, and they can't crow too much because if there was five sides in Launceston and Glenorchy and Clarence down here, for an example... One of those sides would win it every week. If you were picking two sides from Hobart, 
instead of five or six sides from Hobart, how strong do you reckon the two sides down here would be? Mm. I probably should have said Glenorchy and Lauderdale. It would have been better if you said Lauderdale, right? But that was just an example, Mackie, you know, yeah, because no. you guys, you've been fantastic the last few years. Honest to God, Lauderdale has been, you know, a fantastic... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that the atmosphere... And, and look, a few years ago, um, a little mate of mine, um, um, Maxi Catchpool, uh, played for Hobart, and he played seniors for Hobart. And I went... He played a few games at Lauderdale, and I saw the atmosphere at Lauderdale when Hobart was... When, when, uh, no, it was when Aaron Hall was playing for Hobart, actually. Mm. And I actually, I was there uh, when he, this little Maxi Catchpool... When um, when uh, Aaron Hall, the, the game he possibly got drafted from, yeah. was the last game of the year at Lauderdale mm. when he just he had about 35 or 45 I'm pretty sure he had 45 on Bryce Walsh that game. Well, yeah, yeah, well, Bryce is, yeah. I, I've trained with Bryce a couple of times out at, out at uh, Unwrapped and... Um, yeah, Bryce needs to sort of try and keep up with me a little bit. <laughs> if you can't keep up with me, Bryce, you're not going to keep up with Aaron Hall, mate. But, uh, but that game, um, and so, I, I, look, I used to see firsthand the atmosphere and, mm. the, and the people that used to, that still go to Lauderdale. It is mm. a great... Pretty sure um, very Tim, good community. Tim, Tim Payne rated it in his top ten most hostile grounds. I think you said it was number two. Number two, it, only at night though, night yeah. game. Most hostile night. grounds. Yeah, well, in, they, in well, the world. In the world. Yeah, well, number one would be um, um, where um, what's his name, the captain of India, comes from. That'd be number one. Lord, I'd be two. Or Delhi or, or down New Delhi yeah. or somewhere. I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm pretty sure he said the Gabba number one because the Aussies never lose the first. Well, your old, your old man. He, he said uh, he said New Delhi. Your old man said the most hostile place he's been to is in New Sydney. New Sydney Hotel. He does go on there. So, nah. All good. We might um might wrap it up there then. Yeah. Unless Thanks for coming on, Bull. No worries, guys. Pleasure talking to you. Fantastic, guys. Terrific. I've heard a lot about uh, your little podcast, and mm. um, I'm glad to see it's going well, mate. Uh, cheers. We'll have to come in when, you, when you're up and going again, when you're allowed 10 people in. Without Take a up doubt, half the seats. Without a doubt. Well, I tell you what, the money that you blokes I've heard are on at Lauderdale, <laughs> I'd probably only need you two in, I reckon. <laughs> I don't know about that, I reckon mate. you're getting more than 72. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're definitely getting more back at the D's, mate, I think, but... Thanks heaps for giving up your time to see us, mate, and we hope everyone enjoys it. Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys. Cheers.